Hello and welcome to this month's OME Talks podcast. I'm your host, David Petro, and this is the podcast where we talk to speakers from our most recent OME conference as a preview to their upcoming webinar. This month, we're talking with Director of the Center for Education in Mathematics and Computing at the University of Waterloo in Vandenberg. In was supposed to be one of our featured speakers at the Face-to-Face OME 2020, which of course was canceled. So he's going to be doing his featured talk, Adventures in Problem Solving, as our members-only webinar this month. Right now, though, he's going to give us a sneak peek at what he'll be talking about during that webinar. Okay, hello and welcome back to OME Talks. Uh, This month we are talking with Ian Vandenberg. He's a lecturer and director of the Center for Education in Mathematics and Computing, the CEMC at the University of Waterloo. Ian, how are you doing? I'm well, thanks, David. How are you? I'm very good. Uh, Thanks for coming out and talking with us today. Uh, You are going to be doing a webinar for us this month. And uh, before we do that webinar, I want the listeners to get a little bit to know who you are. So maybe you could just tell us a little bit about what you do at the CEMC. So I have uh, two parts of my role here at the CEMC and in our Faculty of Math at the University of Waterloo. Uh, Firstly, I'm a lecturer. I do teach here. Most of my teaching these days comes in our online Master of Mathematics for Teachers program that we run as a part-time master's program for high school teachers. And I teach a problem-solving course in that program as well as a geometry course in that program. But I also, from time to time, am lucky enough to get into the physical classroom and be able to teach our first and second year students in their calculus and algebra courses. The other big hat that I wear here is being director of the CEMC, of the Center for Education and Mathematics and Computing. And that involves uh, working with a tremendous team of people and having a lot of fun doing that, and and involves lots of different pieces. Some of them are mathematical, whether it's being involved in our math and computing contest creation, and some of it is administrative, helping to facilitate uh, the work of all the great people here that that produce all of the wonderful resources that many of you out there in schools, teachers, students, and parents use on a day-to-day basis. And there are a ton of great resources uh, for teachers on the CEMC site, so I have to uh, thank you for all those. Those are great. Now, I, I wonder if you could just tell, give us a little bit of a brief history of how you, how you got to be where you're at right now. Like, how, what does your mathematical journey look like? It's funny when we think about our journeys, right? Because they they don't always they don't always go in the direction that that you think they might, and you end up in really interesting places as a result. As a kid, I was always interested in math, and that that interest was fostered by my parents, who were really keen to to have me develop that interest if it was something I was interested in. And I was really really lucky to have great teachers in math in elementary school and middle school and high school who really encouraged me to challenge myself and to give me enrichment opportunities and to push myself. And I ended up here at Waterloo, in fact, as an undergrad student and was really, really happy with where I was. And it was was in a great program with great, great students around me and learned a ton here. And along the way, realized that math really was, was a passion for me. And I wasn't entirely sure what I wanted to do with math, but I knew I wanted to do something mathematical. And in the summer after my third year of undergrad, I did a 
term as a research assistant with a professor in our pure math department. And part of what I did, and there were two or three of us involved as research assistants that term, is that we taught a weekly seminar course on a specific topic that our that our uh, mentor gave to us to do, to teach. And that really reminded me and really showed me that teaching was something that I was really interested in. And that that I think gave me the nudge in, in the mathematical direction I wanted to go. So I went to U of T and did a master's degree in math. And then out of that master's degree was hired back here into the CEMC as a lecturer. And then over time became the director of the CEMC almost 15 and a half years ago now in July 2005. And it's been it's been a wonderful team to be a part of, and it's been fascinating to to be part of the growth of the CEMC. And that since 2005 until now, we have more than tripled in size as a group. Uh, and our the amount of activity and the variety of activity that goes on in the CEMC is has expanded in leaps and bounds. And it's mathematics education. It's a wonderful field to be involved in, and I, and I feel very lucky to be here. So you've, you've said that you, you've expanded over the years. So um, what kind of things can we see in the future in terms of expansion versus CEMC? That's a really good question. And my, my crystal ball, of course, is, is not perfect. Um, I think that I can see the CEMC certainly continuing to to provide the enrichment opportunities that we've been providing for students for 50 years now, really, uh, but also really, um, really delving more into the curricular side and providing more and more support on the curriculum side as we continue to go. CEMC certainly has its roots as an enrichment organization focused in the secondary school classroom, but we really, over the last 15 years, have have changed from being an enrichment organization to be an enrichment and a curriculum organization and have expanded our focus from the secondary school classroom more and more into the middle school and starting more and more into the elementary side as well. And my hope certainly over the next five years or so is that we, CEMC, can continue to evolve and expand our offerings on the elementary school side to support the the really hard and really great work that elementary school teachers are doing out in the classrooms. As a, as an elementary school vice principal, um, a middle school vice principal, I can say I would really appreciate the the dipping down into the lower grades. That that's really uh, that's good to hear. Now I'm curious. Um, so I assume as a as a, a student, you wrote uh, some of the Waterloo math contests. I did. Yes. So uh, as you moved into working at the CEMC, uh, you know, what was it like when you started to see the secret sauce about how the, all that stuff was put together? It, it's really, a, it's really a, a really fun thing to be, uh, to be involved in. And, and in fact, as we, so we're recording this on a Saturday afternoon in November for release in December. And as, as I sit here, in fact, we've got about a hundred or so teachers and retired teachers and CEMC people who are actually all across North America who are in committee meetings right now, as we speak, preparing contest questions for next year, for 2021, 2022. And it it's a really tremendous group of people. And normally they would be together, actually physically together in Waterloo, 
today, but because of COVID, they are spread across North America and doing their meetings over Zoom. But these are people, these are right, these are regular classroom teachers and retired teachers and other people who have a passion for education and are interested in problem solving and are really, really brilliant people and come up with great ideas and great input and great ways of intriguing students about mathematics. And I was one of those kids as who got caught who caught the bug by writing contests. And some kids catch the bug that way and some kids catch the bug in other ways. And it it's fun to fun to see the process and to be involved in that. It is a it's a big process. There are hundreds of people involved in it and we're the process of creating the 2022 contests began six months ago. So we're it takes about two years to put together some of our contests in the end. But I think it really, I think the investment of time and energy really does pay off in what I believe are consistent and consistently good materials that are then available to hundreds of thousands of kids and teachers around the world to use as enrichment, to use as interest, to use in their classrooms. Now, I know this is the OME Talks podcast, so it would be uh, remiss if I didn't ask you how uh, how did you first really get involved with the OME or or even hear about OME? I first got involved in OME soon after I joined the CEMC. The CEMC has for many years participated in one way or another at OME conferences by having a booth by faculty members here and others giving talks at OME. And I I think I went to my first OME conference probably in may 2001 as part of the cemc group that went and have gone relatively regularly over the years um it it fall the oeme conference always falls at a, a very busy time of the year for me personally here in the work that i do but also in terms of the life of the cemc and so i'm not able to get there every year necessarily but i do try to get down to the conference for a little bit as much as i can now, you were slated to be one of our uh, featured speakers at uh, last year's OME 2020 conference, and that didn't really happen, at least not the face-to-face version. We had a, a scaled-down version uh, that was virtual. And you, your, your talk was called uh, Adventures in Problem Solving. And so that you're, we're going to be treated to a virtual version of that uh, at our webinar this month. But I wondered if we could get just sort of a sneak preview of what participants might see in that uh, in that talk well i'll try to give you a sneak preview without giving away too much of it very good very good it's like it's like you've been doing this forever (laughs) Uh, yeah exactly i don't want to give away the mathematical punchline too early the problem solving is a is a part of is a part of real life it's a part of our mathematical life too and as mathematics educators a part of what we do is trying to encourage our students to learn how to solve problems and how to be engaged by problem solving. And some of that problem solving concept and some of the ideas that we teach in problem solving are really, really useful outside of the classroom too and help us solve problems in in real life, whether they are problems, you know, physical problems around the house, I need to fix some plumbing, whether they are problems in our work life that we're trying to find a solution to something. And the ideas that we that we learn about and we talk about in mathematics 
are applicable in many other contexts other than just the mathematics classroom. And so as a result, I do think it's really important to, to think about what goes into problem solving, to think about the strategies that we use when we try to solve problems and how to help students learn that. It's part of the, every curriculum that we have is problem solving. But sometimes it's really hard to think about how do we actually teach that other than just by solving a bunch of problems. So I want to talk a little bit about that, about the as kind of a structured approach to problem solving and to teaching problem solving, but also want to do that through solving some problems. And problem solving is such a fundamental part of what we do. And I think we all have a different, we all have a different take and a different perspective on problem solving. And I want to share some of my take and perspective, not saying that it's necessarily the only take or the right take, but that here's a way of solving of thinking about problem solving. Here are some problems that I think are interesting, and I know that's a slightly dangerous word, but but interesting because they are problems that don't require a lot of mathematical overhead. They don't need us to know a lot of specific mathematical things, but allow us to think in a mathematical way which is, I think, at the end of the day, one of the most important things that we as mathematics teachers, one of the most important things that we impart to our students. And it, the problems don't have to be hard to do that. They don't have to require a lot of sophisticated machinery. They don't necessarily, in my opinion, have to have a real-world context built around them, although sometimes that's really helpful and it helps some of our students engage. And I think, and they don't, and they can be accessible to students that, the elementary school level and at the middle school level and at the high school level and provide something slightly different and different thinking opportunities to all of those students along the way. So I my talk will focus around actually solving some problems, but then try to intersperse some of the some of the thinking, some of the teaching around them as I go. So I'm curious um uh, you know, I have an idea in my head of what this means, but I'm curious what you mean by uh, think in a mathematical way. So this is, a, this is I think, a, something that we all as educators grapple with from time to time, that we need, we need to sort out for ourselves. I'm going to answer a slightly different question, David, which I think is going to answer your question along the way, which is, what, what is it... What is it that we want our students to come out of our mathematics classrooms to be able to do? What, at the end of the day, are the most fundamental things? For me, yes, the specific entries in our curriculum documents are important because they're building up that mathematical corpus, that big body of mathematical knowledge as our students progress through from kindergarten to grade 12. But at the end of the day, for me, it's really about logical thinking and analytical thinking. and problem solving, coming up, trying to come up with perhaps creative approaches, perhaps not less creative approaches to solving problems, and communication. So all of these things for me are the kind of fundamental parts of mathematics and, and what mathematical thinking is really about. Can we learn how to think systematically and analytically and logically? Can we impart those skills on our to our students? And those it's those skills and those thinking things that really will serve our students 
the best in the 21st century world. Because as much as as much as we all believe in the curriculum we're teaching, and we, for example, in grade 10 in Ontario, many of our students learn how to solve quadratic equations and they learn the quadratic formula. There are not a lot of students, not a lot of people who in their real life will use the quadratic formula on a day-to-day -day basis. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't teach it then because it's helping develop the mathematical thinking. It's helping develop this body of knowledge along the way. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I, I think of it like that as well. Uh, you know, especially that that last bit about, you know, like the, the specific content may not be super important to uh, connecting to our real lives, although we can make connections to real life. But it's it's that, that, that it's almost like the flexing of your brain muscles uh you know, needed to solve these problems are, are ways that you can, um, you know, increase your cognitive capacity for the real problems you are going to face in, in everyday life. Exactly. Mathematics is, is a learning mathematics and teaching mathematics is a, about helping to wire our brain in a mathematical way. And it's a, it's a tricky sell because when your students ask, well, I use the quadratic formula every day in the real world, that's a tricky question to answer. And one of the things as educators that we try to do is to have answers to some of those questions. When will I use this in the real world? Why is math important? And we all come to an answer in a different way, and we all find good resources that we can think about and help point our students to and ideas for them to do. But, but at the end of the day, it really is about this, for me, it really is about this big picture of mathematics in the classroom. Now, um, the problem solving, you know, when, when we start to, to uh, encourage our teachers to do problem solving, when we, we want our kids to do problem solving, you know, problem solving can be a messy thing uh, in, in a class. You know, there there's, may not be a straight line path from the, the question to the answer, and, and there may be lots of bumps in the roads. Um, and I think sometimes that can be, that can make it, some teachers a little apprehensive about doing a lot of problem solving in their classes. I and mean, what kind of advice can you give to teachers who, who you know, might be interested in trying problem solving more in their classes, but are a little worried that, you know, things may go off the rails? I think you've raised some really important issues around that. And I think for me, some of it is around trying to do it in a more focused way to to think about some specific strategies and teach our students those specific strategies almost in isolation. Today, we're going to focus on problem solving where we're going to introduce some algebra. Or today, we're going to focus on problem solving where we're going to find a pattern. And not all problem solving, of course, is that is that focused. But by focusing in that way, as our students are starting to learn these ideas and to focus on that way within mathematical content that our students already know, it allows them to develop these tools to figure out how to use these tools so that when they come to an unknown problem and they're carrying their toolbox with them, they can open the toolbox and say, I think maybe it's this tool I need to try here. And problem solving, as you say, is is highly nonlinear. And that is I think one of the, the most intriguing and interesting parts of it. But of course it does also as teachers give us those scary moments when we don't really know what the class is going to do. But it allows, I think it really does allow students to work with each other and work with us as teachers and for all of us to learn 
together and to experience some interesting mathematics together and to have those conversations where a student might have an idea that we as the educator have never thought of. And then we can try to pursue it together. Or if we're not sure, then we say, okay, you know what, I'm not sure today, but let's, we'll check, we'll check back tomorrow and see whether this is a good and valid approach and allows, I think, some, some really neat opportunities in the classroom. Now, um, for your talk, uh, you did mention that we we're going to do some problem solving, uh, and that's that's very welcomed. Do you have a specific sort of grade range uh, that uh, that sort of your your talk will will focus on, or will we see from multiple grades some some examples? My hope is to have some problems that are accessible across a wide range of grades. Things that have have low low entry points in them, where we can where we can get some thinking, we can think about things, and that might have some higher jumping off places for students who do have some more knowledge. But to to really to really focus on some things and the thinking attached to them where where students from probably grade three or grade four all the way up to grade twelve and beyond could get something out of it and teachers might be able to find nuggets that they can then take and use with their students. Yeah, I like the idea of of the the low the so so called low floor high ceiling type problem, and where some of our younger students might work with a more brute force um, method methodology. And you know, as we get into older, more mature students, they, we might be looking for more elegant ways to find the same solution. But but having that that range is, I think, is really really important. And I think as well, it, there are great opportunities for even younger students to to be exposed to some of that, the more elegant ways and to some of the more sophisticated thinking ways. And not all of them will, will grasp it. Not all of them will engage with it the very first time, but the more they start to think about and see these things, the, the more it comes into their brain and starts to bounce around in there and will start to connect as they, as they mature mathematically over the next few years. So uh, if teachers are coming to this talk, should they bring pad and paper ready to do some solving? Is, is, uh, I hope we're going to be doing some of that. Yep. Mathematics for me is definitely not a spectator sport. That we, we learn mathematics by doing. And whether it's in my life as a mathematician or I, I spend a lot of time, in fact, outside of work playing piano, being an accompanist for choirs. And as a pianist, I need to practice in order, in order for, for it to work. I spent almost an hour last night on two and a half minutes of music. And this is part of what we do to learn and to get better. We, we practice whether it's hockey or piano or mathematics. Okay. So uh, I appreciate you uh, taking a little bit of time to give us a little bit of a heads up as to what you're going to be talking about at our webinar this month. Thank you, Ian. Uh, You've given us some great things to think about and uh, we look forward to hearing from you in a couple of weeks and uh, doing some problem solving with us. Thanks, David. I'm really looking forward to it too. That was Ian Vanderberg, the director of the CEMC. He'll be doing his live members-only webinar on Adventures in Problem Solving on Wednesday, December 9th at 8 p.m. Registration can be found at our OAME MCIS registration site. That link and others can be found in the podcast description. Next month, we'll be talking with Tara Flynn and Shelley Yearly, where they will unlock the learning with unit fractions. So stay tuned for that and stay safe.